You're listening to the Odds Checker podcast, previewing this week's Champions League action. Now, in order to check out all of the markets and special offers discussed during the pod, head to www.oddschecker.com forward slash podcast. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Odds Checker podcast where we will be providing a perfect betting companion for each week of Champions League fixtures. My name is George Ellick and I'm your host and I'm joined by three experts of the game who are going to be sniffing out the value for you guys at home ahead of the Champions League games this week. I've got Ivor Davis joining me who is an odds compiler from Skybet straight from the trading floor offering us the insight from the bookies. How are you doing, Ivor? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Not at um, all. Looking and, forward uh, to it. Good. And uh, David Priest we have as well, a former goalkeeper, now head of media at Black Type and, uh, and a broadcaster featured on Five Live, Talk Sports and all over the shop. So everywhere, great to have you here. Everywhere, Cheers, thanks. An absolute honour. And, uh, and Michael Cox, a freelance football journalist and Twitter celebrity, you could say. Uh, very good to have you here, Michael, as well. Thank you. Thank you for that kind introduction. <laughs> no worries at all. So let's get straight into it. Uh, to sum up how we're going to go through it, we are going to go through the Champions League groups, all eight of them from A to H, looking at the betting markets, looking at where we think the value lies, uh, looking who we think may be falling flat on their faces. And in Group A, we start with an English team in Manchester United, who are the uh, about two to five favourites to win their group with Benfica, CSK Moscow and Basel. Same old story here, United getting an easy group. Dave, I know Black Type, we should, we should say this early on, Black Type have a special offer um, where for, for new customers. Yeah, so we're going to go for uh, an odds boost of to 25 to 1 for all four uh, English clubs to, to win their games this week. And that's maximum bet one pound, I think. Is yeah, it? and that's terms and conditions with that. And that's, <laughs> and that's, um, yeah, that's, and that's for our new customers, yeah, of course. Yeah. Exactly, and I think that pays about 7 to 1. Uh, generally, so basically, if you're listening to this and you haven't got a black type account, then you'd be absolutely crazy not to have that one pound at 25s. Either I'm going to out you straight away here. You've told me that you think United can win the Champions League, and you've told me that you're a Man U fan. So, uh, so you, maybe you, you can, can try and justify yourself without you can, without you sounding say biased. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's still, they're still in Europa League, aren't they? By the by, yeah. by the uh, group. <laughs> Obviously, fa- favourable group. Um, yeah, I think they can go quite far in the Champions League. I'm quite sort of bullish about all the English teams um, in Europe this season. Um, if it was purely priced up on um, who the managers are, then in England we would have sort of like five of the first six in the betting. Um, I think we could, uh, yeah, I, I, like I say, quite quite bullish about all English clubs. Um, obviously, starting with United, obviously Mourinho's just he's got the um, he's got that knack of winning European trophies, hasn't he? Um, obviously, he's done what he's what, what he does really. Obviously, he's, he's Obviously, got that that um, that spine within the team, pace, power. Um, in the Champions League, they should they should be quite good with teams like coming onto them, um, and then sort of like hitting them on the counter attack. Um, like they should obviously get out of the group um, along with Benfica. Um, and you you guys go three on there, so obviously no surprise that the Sky Odds compiler has them pretty short in the market, which which seems fair. I mean, Michael, do you see any of the other teams in in Group A posing much of a threat to United? No, not really. I think Benfica, the obvious threats. I don't think it's a particularly good Benfica side. Three or four years ago, they always seemed to have the next great player coming through. I can't really see anyone in their team that's particularly exciting. 
Yeah, I think Manchester United are a good price to uh, win the competition overall, actually. I think they're um, a good, you know, from how they've started, they're very solid defensively. I think they'll actually even be more solid in, in the Champions League. I think we'll see Matic come into the side, probably Pogba play higher up. Perhaps someone like Jesse Lingard coming in on the wing, who's maybe not as exciting as Martial or Rashford or uh, even Mata from the other flank, but is solid and is disciplined and is the kind of player that uh, Mourinho likes and usually uses when he wins uh, the Champions League or when he goes deep into the Champions League. And, and Mourinho has got a very good record in this competition as well. And as you said, kind of United are known to be getting easy duels in the Champions League. They haven't been in there for a couple of years, but they've come straight back into it. But they I mean, they have nightmares about drawing Basel again after obviously being knocked out by them uh, a few years back. But but David, do you agree this is going to be pretty plain sailing for Mourinho's men? Yeah, it should be. It's, I mean, it should be Manchester United and one other. There's a it's probably a real chase for that second place. You mentioned Basel there. I think yes, they the, the could prove troublesome to the to other two uh, to Benfica and uh, Siska. But the fact that they are quite innovative, they you know the the way they've uh, they brought the sort of the, the box, the four in midfield uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, they sort of they weren't innovators in that, but they made it work well better than anybody else. Uh, and that was around that time when they knocked them out. And it was, um, but the fact is that they've they've lost a lot of good players. Um, they've got a new manager, Rafa Vicky, who's uh, forty year old. He stepped up from the uh, their twenty uh, ones Champions League side. So there's a lot of factors to be uh, that come into play there as well. But. Um, if we're looking for an outsider to come in for a second place, I'd I'd, uh, I'd fancy Basel. And look at in CSK Moscow; they, they've kept a couple of clean sheets in the in the qualifying rounds, but notoriously, Kim Fever's uh, he's not used to he's, he's not he's not used to going home without conceding the goal. Doesn't doesn't get many clean sheets. Well, that, I mean that Manchester United Basel um, straight forecast is seven to one with Skybet. If you if you do agree with David there. Um, are there any concerns with any of us about the lack of Champions League experience that some of their their kind of forward players have? If you look at Romelu Lukaku, who's obviously made the move to play Champions League football, having not done it for a while, Rashford, who we've mentioned, hasn't done it before either. Martial, not since his Monaco days, is that is that a concern? No, I don't think so. I think I think Lukaku's got enough experience at uh, Premier League level and, and at international level that it shouldn't really be a problem. Certainly not in the group stages. Um, no, and I, I think the way United are playing means that. A lot of the time, I think one goal will be enough for them, really. And, you know, they've got quite a lot of sources of goals throughout the team. I think they're a very tall team, set pieces. Mourinho's always very good at maximising. So I don't think that's much of a concern, personally. So on to Group B now, and uh, what a group this looks like. The many bookmakers can't choose between them. We've got Bayern Munich, are just about favourites. Best price in Group B at 10 to 11. Paris Saint-Germain, best price, even money. So you can see they barely separated those two. And then the outsiders... Black type stand out on Celtic at 100 to 1 and Handelect, <laughs> same price as well, 100 to 1. Um, Ivor, I know you saw, unsurprisingly, a lot of money for, for PSG um, and their, their odds tumbled accordingly with the signings of Neymar and, and Mbappe. Yeah, um, I think it was opened at um, 18 to 1 at the start of the summer. Um, obviously, like now into 6 to 1. Obviously, that's also the effects of uh, Neymar. Um, uh, yeah. Personally, I think they're probably a little bit too short now, PSG. Listen, obviously, this group, um, it's always a straight shootout between the two. But um, I just probably, um, I think Celtic could be competitive in the home games. Obviously, they've shown in this competition before that they can turn anybody um, over at um, Parkhead. And so, yeah, I, th- I think they're an absolute massive price, by the way, in the, in, the f- in the first game against PSG. Celtic are best price 13-1 to 1 with Betstars to, to emerge victorious from that game against PSG. Michael, I think you're you're less uh, 
uh, optimistic about their chances against against the Paris team, who I know you, you, you do quite fancy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly confident that Celtic will uh, get anything from that, but I do think they've got a very good chance of coming third. This doesn't look like a great Andalek side. Took five points from the first five games of Belgium, and usually they absolutely walk the Belgian league. So I'd be fairly confident of Celtic finishing ahead of them. I think uh, the last game is at Celtic by the sixth game in the group, so it'll probably come down to a shootout there. And in that kind of knockout, feel if you like I'd fancy Celtic but uh, I don't and like five to six with Skybet two finish bottom which uh, same okay. price as Celtic so basically a match they've got that as well yeah I mean it's obviously a shootout between the top two I think I'd, I'd favour Bayern to finish top of this group I think PSG might be the better side by the end of the competition but I think it would take a few months before they kind of work out precisely what's going uh, what's going on in the attacking uh, section of the side and I think Bayern are just very cohesive and they know what they're doing and I think they're, they're probably a, a my tip to finish top here, and uh, and I mean, how how do you view their two chances between the two of them, David? Yeah, I think it's right. It's a it's a shootout between sort of like two shootouts, uh, Bayern and, <laughs> and, and PSG and and Anderlecht and Celtic. I think with Celtic though, they out of the, between themselves, Anderlecht, they're the ones that are more capable of taking points off the other two. Certainly at home, um, you can never discount that. They, they they're not tested defensively in their own league, and they there were some frailties. Uh, shown up against Astana in the the away leg, but I think Brendan in Brendan Rodgers they've got somebody who can who could come up with a system uh, to to stop far greater sides and um, especially at home and they did it last year against Manchester City and they can they can do certainly do it again and certainly take a point uh, at home against the the two big boys but I quite fancy PSG for this one and not just because. Um, because of the strike force as well. Bayern Munich, they've lost Alonso, they've lost Lahm. They've lost more than two very good uh, yeah. very good footballers, or brilliant footballers. They've, they've lost uh, their influence on the pitch as well, um, what they give more than just what they do with the ball. And, and up, they've signed uh, Hamas Rodriguez in the summer, and I think Ancelotti's probably the same as everyone else. He, he, everyone sees him as a 10. He's talking about playing him out wide. Yeah. What, uh, what do you do with him to get the best out of him that's the conundrum now for him and if he can get the best out of him somehow then he's got a real play in his hands and somebody who can influence games but at the minute I, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a minus until that happens how, how do you see the keeper situation at, at, at PSG surely that's, that's definitely one box that, uh, that Bayern can tick ahead of, ahead of their rivals well this is it it's sort of um, I know Kevin Trapp last season uh, against Barcelona in, in that, uh, that famous game when the Barcelona made that unbelievable comeback <laughs> he, he was he was kind of it's like standing on the beach of the tidal wave you know it was just you, you can't stop you just couldn't stop it couldn't do anything about it and I think he's um, he hasn't established himself the way that he would have he's still a very good keeper same with Alphonse uh, Ariola, uh, very good young goalkeeper they've got good competition but none of them have really sort of come to the fore and I think with the firepower that they've got and the, the money they've spent uh, Going uh, going forward, that uh, it's probably needs to be addressed. They've they've not really re- uh, replaced Sirigu, who was a very good goalkeeper for them. And interesting, Michael, with the, the two managers here, you could say obviously very very different uh, careers so far, but arguably both people who kind of pride themselves as being European specialists and uh, both underachieved in that fat last season. Do you think this is for both of them kind of getting to last chance saloon at their clubs? Yes, I think that's probably fair. Um, I think Ancelotti really has has yet to show that he's brought anything new to Bayern. He's um, obviously taken over from Guardiola, who had a very specific kind of way of playing. And I think the, the team is still roughly playing in that manner, but maybe without the kind of the great 
incision, I would say, of the Guardiola years. I think they can be a little bit, uh, a little bit pedestrian, actually, by and whether that will have an impact in uh, in the Champions League, I'm not sure because slightly lower tempo than the Bundesliga, but uh, they, they still look a good side. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we can all be fairly uh, united here in thinking there won't be too many shocks in that group, and it's just basically whether or not Celtic can get through uh, to the Europa League. On to Group C now, where we have uh, Premier League champions Chelsea, a 13 to 10 favourites to win the group with Coral. Atletico Madrid a touch bigger at 6 to 4, and then Roma 5 to 1 with Hills, and then the Whipping Boys, surely Carabag 150 to 1 with Coral. Chelsea obviously so impressive last season, Michael, um, but maybe the confidence behind them this time around isn't quite what it was at the back end of last season. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's two question marks here. The first question mark is whether Chelsea can do it in the Premier League and the Champions League. Obviously, they didn't have that problem, if you like, last year. And the second one is Conte, who hasn't got great Champions League experience. Only had one campaign in the competition with Juventus, didn't get past the group stage. Although, I think the caveat there is that was because they uh, lost at Galatasaray on the final match day when the pitch was the most disgraceful pitch I've ever seen. I'd literally been cut up by a tractor overnight when the game got postponed uh, because of rain. Um, I think Chelsea will progress from this group, but I've I got to say I think Atletico 6-4 are probably the, uh, the value here. They've just got such uh, pedigree in this competition. Last four years, runner-up twice, semi-final once, quarter-final once. Simeone is exactly the kind of manager you want in the Champions League. So um, I'd be backing Atletico to finish top of this group. And Ivor, you, you agree with that as well? Um, yeah, I think I think Atletico Madrid um, in the last couple of years have contributed so much to it. Really, um, they maybe stood still a little bit, obviously, because of the uh, transfer embargo. Um, but obviously, still got a quality manager. Um, like I say, yeah, they've, they've contributed an awful lot to the Champions League, and um, I'd like to see them go go quite far. And whether they can do or not, I'm I'm not quite sure. When they get into the sort of like the knockout stages, because just think like one or two other clubs around Europe, and maybe. Uh, progressed and gone on past them really but, but yeah obviously in this, in this group yeah I would probably um, there seems seem to be a feeling last year as well that <clears throat> the uncertainty around Simeone's future Atletico kind of hindered them do you think in their, their Champions League campaign last time I, I don't know I mean they're so drilled and, and they're brilliant at what they do I know a lot of people might think that that's uh, the weakness that they, they can only play that way but to me, it's also the biggest strength as well. Especially when it gets to the later rounds, you know, over two legs, they can they can almost strangle teams out of the competition. And I think it's um, again, it, like a, there's a, there's a few more clubs in the Champions League that we'll, we'll probably go on to as well. That whereas the fact that they've kept their manager and not only kept the manager, that you know he's signing a new contract now. It, that'll give them a huge lift, and although they haven't ch- been able to change the squad, and it is an aging squad, you know they've still got people like uh, Jan Oblak, who's probably the, one of, if not the best goalkeeper in Europe at the moment, and I can see them. Uh, I can actually see them heading this group. Um, Chelsea. I know we we can go into the, the the transfer troubles they've had, and they've had a lot of trouble bringing people in and and missing their transfer targets. Uh, they're still a, th- a big threat, but I think uh, I think Atletico or Atletico is going to uh, going to top this group. I think. Are we, are we ignoring a dark horse in Roma? I don't think so. Actually, I've always really enjoyed watching Roma in Serie A. They usually play very good football. Usually have an interesting manager doing different things, but they've always underwhelmed in Europe. They've never really had a good Champions League campaign, and I'm not sure really what they're going to bring to the party in terms. Of, I'm not sure how they're going to get the advantage over Atletico and Chelsea. I don't think they do anything better than those teams, really. I look at the forward, Dzeko's a, a very good player. 
um, has been excellent since joining Roma. Ha- hasn't really done it in the Champions League. Someone like Diego Perotti, I'm not sure, is of the level required. And, and even the midfield, which looks very good in Serie A. I mean, De Rossi looked really immobile against Spain last week. Nijngaland, I, I think, is a good player, but a little bit raw. I'm not sure he has the finesse required. Uh, Kevin Strootman's a very good player, to be fair, but I, I'm just not convinced by Roma, to be honest. I, I think Roma, they've, they've lost two of the best players as well. Yeah. They've lost yeah. Salah, they've lost Chesney to, to Juventus. The other two sides have, uh, well, certainly uh, Chelsea have strengthened, and, and the fact that Atletico have kept Griezmann as well, it's just a huge plus for them. So I, I can't see Roma troubling the two, to so top two. The straight forecast there is, again, with Skybet. So this is this is your price here, Ivo. It's uh, <laughs> five to two for, for Madrid to finish um, top and Chelsea to finish second, which seems like kind of a united agreement that that's probably, we think, or you guys think, that the most likely scenario. Yeah, and I think a lot of people aren't discounting Carabag. You know, they have got European experience. They've got continuity in, uh, in Gorbanov, who's been there for nine years. So they 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 could be a bit of a, a threat to third place for, for Roma but um, I was doing them a massive disservice then calling them the whipping boys there well kind of I mean <laughs> yeah like I said they have the experience of this format in, in the Europa League yeah. and uh, and they've not disgraced them far from disgraced themselves and like I said they've got that continuity which helps as well which a lot of the clubs don't have the, there's been a lot of change at a lot of clubs so I think uh, that's a big plus for them but I, I can I, I, I struggle to see them being a threat to Roma Six to one Roma are to finish bottom of the group. Seven on Carabag. So if you do want a bit of an outsider, then maybe that's that, that's your bet there. On to Group D now, and uh, this is probably the uh, I, I think the most interesting group um, in the in the competition with Barcelona under a new manager Ernesto Valverde. It's four to six favourites with Bet365 and Betfred. Uh, Juventus thirteen to eight best price for Sporting Bet. Uh, Sporting Lisbon fifty to one, uh, which is a huge standout from Black Type. And Olympiacos, 100 to 1, also with black type, and a bet 365. Uh, Michael, I'm going to come to you about, about this Barcelona team, um, who are obviously in transition. Uh, losing Neymar for them as, as, a, as a status loss is absolutely huge and maybe a sign of the times and signings of the likes of Paulinho, maybe showing that the recruitment after the likes of Andre Gomez and Paco is starting to falter at Barcelona. Is this a Barcelona in transition or is this a Barcelona who, who, are, who are falling away? Uh, I think they're probably falling away from the status they've enjoyed over the last few years. To a certain extent, when looking at the Champions League chances for them, I think it's worth kind of ignoring the Neymar situation because I think that's dominated discussion so much that you, you can almost forget they've got the best player in the competition in Messi. They've arguably got the best striker in Luis Suarez. I think they're going to play a more structured, probably less typically Barcelona system this year. Maybe a little bit more direct, counter-attacking more, I think. You know, Messi looks like he's going to play as the 10. Suarez will be kind of on the shoulder working the channels. But I think they've, in a sense, they're a better structured team. Last year, they basically didn't have a right back. They spent the whole campaign trying to play different systems to, to hide the lack of right back. Uh, and now they've got Semedo, who they brought in from Benfica, has made a really good start. I think him and Jordi Alba are going to push forward and have lots of license to overlap. Um, again, a slightly different system from before. Um, I'm not sure they're one of the, the two favourites as they usually are, but I think they will probably uh, win this group, certainly get through the group, and I think they're uh, deservedly favourites ahead of Juventus. Either the, you know, we're going to find out a lot about this group um, on Tuesday evening when, when Barcelona hosts Juventus. Yeah. Um, Skybet have, uh, have Barcelona uh, 7 to 10 to win the game, 29 to 10, the draw. 18 to 5 Juve. Do you think this this should be a game that Barcelona expect to progress despite playing against you know a Juve team who was so impressive in the Champions League last season and until they got to the final where they, they they kind of froze on the big stage? Yeah, well that's it. I mean um, obviously Juventus are 
did a bit of a number on them, didn't they, in the uh, quarterfinals um, last season. Um, yeah, obviously, like Barcelona, actually reasonably well backed. Actually, the last couple of days um, it was like four to five um, into seven to ten now. So they're probably the best back team um, over the last couple of days. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, in terms of the group, obviously tough to get away from from both of them. Um, they should both both put, uh, progress really. I mean, um, that, that doesn't seem like a particularly deep deep group, David. I think this no. is. It's intrigue rather than, uh, than, than going to be amazing competition with these two at the top. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think I mean, the, the Neymar situation, yeah, of course he did. It was majority of the, the comeback against PSG was down to him last season. But I think it's probably it's damaged this, that situation, the way that it was dealt with, it's probably damaged the, the fans and, the, and their reputation rather than on the pitch. I mean, you've seen so far, it's, it's, it doesn't hinder them all. They haven't come up against anybody yet, of course. And in those bigger games, that's where Neymar makes the difference. But I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to be a huge loss to them, really. I think it, the owners will just be put more on the the other two big uh, stars up front, and they're more than capable of uh, carrying the burden. Absolutely. Any any friends here for, for, for Sporting Lisbon or Olympiacos? No, I think Sporting Lisbon are a decent side. They've won from uh, five from five in the Portuguese league so far, back against poor opposition. I think they're well organised. Not sure they've got the real attacking individuals to uh, to cause a big impact. Olympiakos, I mean, a kind of a grand name of European football. Um, won seven in a row Greek leagues, but last year was their lowest points uh, margin over Panathinaikos uh, during that period. So I think they're probably on the slide a little bit. Um, I wouldn't fancy either of them to cause a shock, to be honest. Who? But Lisbon more likely to to get that Europa League spot in third over. Over um, over Olympiacos. Yeah, and I think actually they could go quite well in the Europa League if they do end up there. George Jesus has a good record in that competition, and and Portuguese sides generally kind of respect the competition and take it seriously. So yeah, I think Sporting in the Europa could could work very nicely. Eight to eleven, Sporting are to finish third. So maybe one for your ACA if you're looking to have a nice anti-post Champions League ACA, and that is with Skybet as well. Halfway through now, and on to Group E, and we're back to another English team who, who are short price favourites, in, uh, in my view, if anyone's interested for their group. Um, I mean, too short. Uh, 8 to 11, best price they have a sporting bet, but as short as 4 to 7, um, if, you, if, if you're looking at the likes of William Hill and, and Bet365. Sevilla, 2 to 1, best price with Skybet. Spartak Moscow, 12 to 1 with Black Type, and Maribor, 100 to 1 with Black Type. I think we're seeing a trend here, David, where the black type traders are pretty happy to go to best price on uh, on the outsiders. Well, this is it. Um, obviously, the, the, the company's been going a year now and just missed out on the start of last season. So it, every new event, uh, every new sporting event, it's the first one and, and it's the test. This season, uh, because we've obviously we, we've been able to take in the, the start of the season, we're going big on, uh, on football this season. Um, uh, always competitive prices with uh, Premier League, uh, Serie A, La Liga, and, and Champions League as well, so it's 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 been a big push for us this season, and will always be competitive on uh, on football prices. Well, for those yeah, for those who haven't haven't used Black Type before, the you know very aggressive pricing, I would say, very happy to. Uh, I remember in the Championship this season, Reading were best priced twenty to one elsewhere, and and, and Black Type were fifty. So well, that's it, and it's worth looking below the the top leagues, especially sort of EFL and SPFL as well, because there's lots of value to be have there, and it's. Uh, like, like, like we see in the uh, uh, in the adverts, we want we want your actor. Yeah, <laughs> um, Ivor, I know you 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 know you fancy the English teams to, to do pretty well here, and uh, and Liverpool no different. Yeah, Liverpool should um, get through the group really. Obviously, Klopp um, really good European pedigree. Um, obviously, did really well at Dortmund in this competition. Um, obviously, like United, um, I think they could 
go quite deep um, in the competition, really. It's obviously between Liverpool and Sevilla. You, you would have you would have thought. Obviously, we are actually a standout two to one. If um, you fancy Sevilla to, um, you're, you're, you're the you're the people to come to if, if Sevilla. You're. I mean, it's very a, a difficult one because I think kind of the turn of the year last year, there were lots of people's kind of dark horses, and it, things seem to have not unravelled there, but they haven't really been able to keep up that unbelievable run of form uh, at the beginning of last season. Yeah, they're a good side. They're an attractive side, I think, rather necessarily a team who will cause Liverpool major problems in this group. I think Barizo's a good appointment. Got Celta to the uh, Europa League semi-finals last year. Obviously, a little bit unlucky against Manchester United in that semi-final. Very unlucky. Yeah. Very <laughs> unlucky. Um, yeah, it's an interesting group. I, personally, I think Spartak Moscow are very interesting. Um, they're uh, 9-1 to one to win the group. They're managed by Massimo Carrera, who used to be Conte's assistant at Juve. I think it's worth remembering he was the assistant... Um, when Conte had that quite lengthy ban for not reporting match fixing properly, which meant that he was in the dressing room, he was taking charge of the team. Who essentially, well, in a sense, he took Juventus to a Serie A title. Obviously, there's a big caveat there, but that's the kind of experience he's got. Um, he won the league with Spartak in his first year. He's got some good attacking players in, in Promes and uh, Luis Adriano. I think the one thing that's worked slightly unfortunately for Spartak is their two home games against Liverpool and Sevilla, the second and third match days in the group. And obviously the weather in Moscow is a big factor. Now, those games are at the end of September and the start of October. And I looked up the temperature and it's going to be between 5 and 7 degrees, which is not too bad for the away teams. If they had them the last couple of games of the group, it's more like minus 4, minus 5. So I think if the fixtures had been better, that would have been a more intimidating away trip for Liverpool and Sevilla. But as it is, um, they probably won't be troubled too much. That is absolutely tremendous insight. Anyone Isn't listening? It? I, I thought it was Michael Fish, not yeah, Michael yeah. Cox. <laughs> I was listening to. You're getting a weather forecast in your checker podcast. Absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. I'm going to bring you one every week just to give us the weather. Um, perfect. I, I that really, is brilliant. I really that enjoyed that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, with Liverpool, David, they. I mean, the timing isn't great. After they've just been absolutely uh, battered by by Man City, but generally under Klopp, it's been fairly obvious that they've struggled against the teams who sit back and um, play men behind the ball and they, and they excel against those who, who let them kind of uh, break, break at the counter and surely that's going to suit them in the, in the Champions League this season you, you would have thought so but I mean if, they've, if the teams do the homework and, and see that then they'll do ex- exactly what you've just said if they've got no space to play in behind then it's, they, they do tend to struggle I think they're still uh, they're still short in centre of defence now we know that it, because of um, uh, Marne is sending off it made things difficult and but defensively still with 10 men you can still make things very difficult even against a side as good as Manchester City they didn't do that they still left the space in behind them when there's no pressure on the ball so they have to be there has to be big question marks against Liverpool so then and I think Lovren he does have his bad games but for me he's still their best centre half and I think a pairing with him and Matip is still their strongest Clavan Still a good player, but I think it's too many off days, and I think, um, like I said, it, it was maybe down to him on Saturday that uh, they play too high a line, especially when there's no pressure on the ball. Interested to know your thoughts on, on Minilay, because obviously Lovren and Matip have shown pretty consistently over the last 18 months of their, or last year or so that they're vulnerable at depending on the turn. And do you think Minilay, whilst he's a kind of a fair shot stopper at times, is he the dominant keeper that they need to, to, to find that space behind them? Probably not. He is very good. He's very strong in one-on-one situations. I'll give you that. Um, he's he'll face a lot of them because of their high line. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he actually does play um, 
because of his it being dropped, he was dropped against yeah. uh, against Arsenal. Um, Carius was given the given the gloves that game. It was interesting to see the thinking behind it. Now, some one, one train of thought is that he might be his choice for Champions League games. I'd be very surprised if that happens, but I can't see another reason why you play him against Arsenal and rest him um, if he isn't going to do that. So it'd be very interesting to see who he does start. But for me, Mignolet, it has to be uh, he has to be number one. So I think all fairly positive there about about Liverpool's chances, even if we're not we're not we're not sold on Mignolet. Um, another English team now in Group F, and it's uh, Pep Guardiola's um, Manchester City, who are best priced four to six with Paddy Power. Napoli best price thirteen to five. Um, but I'm going to come on to them because there's one bookmaker in particular who's quite short on them. Uh, no, no, no surprises who it's going to be. Uh, Shakhtar best price thirteen to one with Unibet, and Feyenoord best price twenty to one with Skybet. Going to come to you, Ivor. I know Napoli is. A, 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 your pick for maybe a dark horse. I don't know if they're considering how short you guys have them at thirteen to eight for the group. If you can even call them that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, you're keen on keen on Sarri's Napoli. Yeah, but, uh, very much so. Um, yeah, for me, they, they they've gone under the radar really. I think. Um, and yeah, for me, they're the, they they could potentially be the dark horses um, in the competition. They got a really underrated uh, manager in Sarri. Um, I think they both um, attacking array of talent with the likes of Mertens, Insignia. Uh, Hamsic and, and Milic to come back um, I think at the back as well they don't concede too many goals um, and they, obviously they should be able to negotiate this this group um, and yeah for me um, could be the, the dark horses in the in the competition Michael for those of us who aren't lucky enough to get to watch Sarri's Napoli uh, too often I mean they're absolutely unbelievable to watch aren't they and, and what, what can we expect what can City fans expect um, an incredibly high passing tempo, I think, is the main feature. They, they, it's kind of like you're watching a tra- one of those training gr- uh, games where you get a goal for completing <laughs> ten passes, and they do just hold the ball. They hold the ball for long periods in the centre of the pitch, but pass it quickly, if that makes sense. Just constant triangles, which kind of drags opposition players out of position, and then they kind of play past them very quickly. I think the um, interplay of the front three is absolutely fantastic as well. Um, Insigne is a, a lovely little inside left who cuts inside and wants to bend the ball towards goal or to the far post where... Uh, Calais Horn has really come on leaps and bounds since he moved to Napoli a few years ago. One of the best goal-scoring uh, wingers in this competition. And then Dries Mertens up front, um, who I don't think it was uh, intended to be their first-choice centre-forward, but has just um, you know adapted marvellously to that position. I think there's question marks about the defensive side of things. And I think that could cost them in terms of going deep into the competition, but um, I've absolutely no doubt they'll fly through this group. And, I mean, we should, we should talk about City, um, David's... You know, with Pep Guardiola's record in Europe, um, his away record in Europe has always been something that's been pretty troubling and, and almost quite uncharacteristic for, for a manager who's, who's been so dominant. Um, and is that, is that going to be an issue in this coming season for City? Possibly, well, possibly not against Feyenoord. I mean, um, I think it's, it was just 12 years since they won last won the, uh, last in the Champions yeah. League and they, they won last season. I think... Um, Dirk Hoyt's going to be a big miss. I'm surprised. I mean, and see why he ended on such a high, scoring a hat trick to, to win the league. You know, it's, it's a great way to finish it. But I think they could have done him with him, with him around the dressing room, his experience. Um, but I, I still strongly fancy City against Feyenoord. Um, we should go to weatherman Cox about the weather in Sha- in, in Donetsk, shouldn't we? <laughs> well, well, this, well, this is the thing as well. I mean, they don't. Pl- the one advantage that they would have in in uh, their home home ground, uh, the, the Donbass. They don't play there anymore. They play in Kharkiv because of the uh, because of the unrest there, and yeah. it's, that's 
obviously similar situation there to to what Tottenham are facing at the moment, where it's it's not familiar surroundings to them and they they can't make that an advantage, so it's going to go against them whether it's cold or not. So I mean, it sounds like here Napoli the, the team to lean towards, and considering as we said, Skybet and Paddy Power thirteen to eight, but Bet three six five bigger than two to one, well bigger than five to two at thirteen to five. So and Coral the same price, so that is I think one to stick in your stick in your odds checker bet slip uh, whilst you're listening to this now. Um, on to the second last group, and it's Group G, and uh, some I mean some teams here who I mean it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how they get on. Uh, you've got Monaco, who's uh, obviously last year's semi finalist six to four uh, with Betfred, um, and then you've got Leipzig, who are eleven to four with William Hill making their. Champions League debut after finishing second in the Bundesliga in their debut season. And then Porto, 3-1 uh, to one with Betfred. And then Besiktas, 8-1. to one. But I think, actually, if I look... Yeah, so interesting pricing as well, this from Black Type, who are actually 13-8 to eight best price on Monaco. Ivan, I'm going to come to you because these are teams who it's very hard to, to work out kind of how good they are, I would say, in terms of Monaco. Such an unbelievable season last year, but shot data seems to suggest, seem to suggest that they were running very hot. Porto, obviously, the standout team from Liga Nosh. Leipzig could be anything, Besiktas, obviously, from, from Turkey. I mean, how do you find the kind of European standard to work out how these teams should be priced up against each other? This is the most interesting group for me, really. Um, yeah, in terms of finding um, a European standard, um, obviously, from a, from a compiling point of view, um, you would sort of, like, assess the teams um, in their own division first, and then, um, if you imagine... Like you would sort of apply promotional and relegation adjustments to sort of teams obviously coming up from say the championships to the Premier League. Um, we would sort of apply the same adjustments. Um, obviously, like from uh, so, so, so like what is the best league? You know, I think everyone would agree that that's that's Spain. Well, sort of like how much better is that than say like Germany, which, which yeah. is probably the second. <laughs> I think it's worth I think it's worth about two tenths of a goal, um, in my view. I think. Um, Obviously, the English leagues is probably um, a quarter of a goal uh, worse off than, than Spain. Yeah, that, that's generally how you would sort of do it. I mean, I, I, obviously, I always think it's fascinating to sort of ask the question where would, um, you know, where, where, where would Man City finish in, in, in La Liga? Where would, where would Napoli finish in the Premier League? Well, and, you, you, um, you might get your wish one day by the, by the sounds of <laughs> things. <laughs> Mike, in terms of recruitment alone, looking at Monaco, Leipzig and Porto, are they three of the best in Europe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree. I think this is one of the most interesting groups. I think Leipzig might be the most underrated team in the competition. Um, I think they're a good price to win this group because Monaco have lost four key players. Um, Mbappe, Bakayoko, Silva, Mendy. They've bought very well. I think Tielemans in particular is a wonderful midfielder. Um, but again, they're going to take time to adjust. And, and if you look at the group stage, Leipzig have, have got a very harmonious group. Um, they're excellent on the counter-attack, good transitions. Um, I think Timo Werner's a, a very, very, you know, incredibly quick forward. He might surprise a few defences. Um, so I'd go uh, Leipzig to win this group. I think you touched on um, on, on Werner. I think in Forsberg and Keiter, it's easy to forget, David, that Leipzig have three players who I think any team in Europe would, would love to have in their starting lineup. Well, this is it. And I think out of all the sides that's uh, that are taking part in Champions League this year, everyone's looking to see how Leipzig do. Uh, the most, take the most interest in it, the most intriguing uh, to see how they, they do because the progression has been so great in a short space of time. In this group, I don't think I've ever supported a team or wanted a team to do well off the back of a social media campaign as they have done with Besiktas, <laughs> simply because of it. You know, it was absolutely genius, and not not just that. You I mean we talk about the recruitment of those th- the, the the top three sides, and that's all. 
the three sides we've talked about, but also the you know the signing of Pepe, uh, Negredo. They've got Charisma as well, who's uh, on his day can can win games himself and has got great inta- attacking intent. They mean business, you know, especially the signing of Pepe. He's still a very good football, uh, very good defender, one of the best in Europe. As annoying as he can be at times, and <laughs> and I'm, I'm using the word annoying because I can't swear. <laughs> It's still a great sign for them, so I think uh, you're right. It's an intriguing group, and I think um, it's very difficult to place all four uh, teams. So I'm going to go around the because uh, I think here it's been the first, maybe the first time we all seem to disagree a bit. So, I mean, either who would be your 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 tip to to win the to win Group G? Um, I'll go for Porto. Although I can just say as well, um, I think that um, obviously Leipzig. I, I, I thought there was there was one of two bets for me on the on the on match day one really. That's but, home, yeah. That's ho- home to Monaco. Um, so that is for either it's the three to one about Porto, David. I'll go for Monaco with uh, my fingers crossed behind my back for Besiktas, so they they can still be in the competition uh, later on and, and make more signings in January. Here we go. I think we're about to cover all the teams. Yeah, I'm going for Leipzig uh, first and Monaco second. Um, Besiktas interests me in terms of cards because any side with both Pepe and Gary Medel. <laughs> fearsome. God, I hadn't thought of that. That's absolutely terrifying. I don't, I, yeah, I'd be quaking if I was set to play then. Um, I agree with Michael. Leipzig are, I mean, I don't know why you'd care, but they're my nap in the Champions League um, to win their group at 11-4. to Final group before we get on to the more general stuff. Um, and uh, this is Real Madrid's group. Uh, they are best priced four to nine to win it. Uh, Bruce Dortmund nine to two. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur five to one with Betfred and Paddy Power. And then uh, Apoel, who have been given absolutely no chance, five hundred to one uh, with Coral. Is this going to be plain sailing for for Madrid, Michael? Is this uh, I mean, have Spurs got a chance at Wembley? How, how do we feel about their chances? I think Real Madrid are, are really strong favourites for this. I think they're also quite a good price for the competition overall, having won it the last two years. Um, I think they'll win this group fairly comfortably. I'd personally have Spurs to go through in second, um, which doesn't correspond with um, most bookmakers in terms of the odds. I think Dortmund are being slightly overestimated. Um, obviously, they've lost their manager. They've brought in Peter Bosch, uh, who did a decent job in one season with Ajax. Um, but I, I thought kind of got overestimated based upon the Europa League run. I mean, Ajax didn't win the league, didn't come close to winning the league, no. really. Um, and I think there's a few question marks about uh, Dortmund in general. Obviously, they've lost Dembele. Uh, Pulisic is a wonderful young talent, will be one of the best players in the world in a few years' time. Not sure he's going to do it in the Champions League this year. Players like Gutser and Kagawa sometimes flatter to deceive. Um, whereas Spurs are just organised. They're you know, one of the bre- best pressing sides in the competition. The big question mark is Wembley, but I don't think that that will uh, hamper them, and I think they'll get through this group. David, as a former player, um, do you understand the the mental difficulties that they seem to have when playing Wembley? Does it make sense to to lose your kind of home form when you're not actually playing at home? Yeah, so when you're, you're used to playing at home, used to having different reference points around the ground, and, and if the pitches, uh, if the stands are closer to the pitch. It, it, you know your, your sense of depth perception when you pass, especially when you're passing longer balls and across the pitch, it changes. Now, when you're playing when you're playing in bigger stadiums like Wembley, when it's the, the stands are far away from the pitch, it does actually make the pitch look a lot bigger than what it is. And it, I was at the um, Spurs Burnley game, and you could see even with um, Alderweireld, 
You know, he's coming forward into midfield. He, he, he's looking to spray long balls, and it took him at least three or four passes until he got that uh, that pass going and be be more accurate with his passing. And it, it and he's probably the best in the business at doing that as well. He's, he's very comfortable yeah. doing that. And you, and you would think with the bigger spaces, it, it would give him more margin for error. But it, it's just like I said, it's it's just getting used to playing on that pitch, and uh, and they just seem to be they, they can't implement the. The, the the game that they usually used to at uh, White Hart Lane. You've seen at Everton on Saturday. You know, yeah. They're totally overpowered at Everton on a on a, a pitch that's or a stadium that's tied to the to the pitch, and it, they find it easy to press. Where when they play at Wembley, from from what I saw, they, they try. I mean, they try passing through midfield when it wasn't on. They're trying to to take chances from outside the box when it's clear, the, the opportunity clearly aren't, aren't there, and it's they they, they just try to force it a little bit more. Um, I think that the, the fact that it's it's Wembley, it's a it's a slow pitch. It doesn't suit them at all. Yeah. And, and I know we're playing these games where it's it's more of a continental game, and, and team, teams um, you might think that they play a slow pace, but a lot of these sides now are playing that high pace, uh, high pressing football. Yeah. And it doesn't suit, and it, and it will suit teams that it might just sit back and just be able to hit them on the break a little bit more and wait for them coming onto them, and it's. It, it will be a problem for them. It will continue to be a problem for them. Interesting. And uh, and either I mean, Skybet, you are best price forty nine on on Madrid. Is that a sign that you guys aren't quite as as, as keen, or is it just you know um, you think that's the right price? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, no real views on the on, on the group. Really. I mean, we just just go back to Tottenham uh, a minute. Obviously, um, we talk about home advantage, uh, like in the Champions League, and it's generally worth half a goal. Um, obviously, it's been a real conundrum. Obviously, with, with Tottenham, uh, obviously in this in this competition, and in the Premier League as well, <laughs> it's the home advantage is not half a goal. It's it's maybe maybe half of that. Or it, listen, it's obviously open up to discussion. It's been a real sort of like headache just to kind of like you you know actually I, I, actually come down on what you think that home advantage is. It actually numerically putting a value on it. Um, so that's been a little bit of a headache. But um, yeah, away from home, obviously seen on the weekend. Um, Obviously, still a top top team with a with a, with a top top class manager as well. David, your your, your views on on Pochettino is that? Well, well it's it, it just the fact that I mean, I, I'll openly admit that I didn't think they missed Kyle Walker as much as what they did. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, the the fact, like I said, the fact that the, the the perception of the pitch being being bigger and more open, the the fullbacks are already further forward and there's no space for them to go into. Yeah. You know, they, they can't take advantage of the space wide. You you have people playing in the half spaces like um, like Christian Eriksen coming inside and letting people go around the outside like Kyle Walker did, but the way they play uh, at the moment or the way they play at the moment at Wembley, the full backs are already in that space and once they get the ball, it's easier for teams to defend against. Yeah. And subjects I find fascinating because I just can't work out myself. I mean, where Michael do we? How do we look at Zidane as a manager? Because for some, I mean, anyone else, what an incredible player, one of the biggest reputations in the world, anyone else who'd have done what he did would be labelled a master tactician. But for some reason, people seem not to want to give him that credit for, for Real Madrid's successes. Yeah, it's a funny one. I, I can't completely explain it. And yet I, I do kind of subscribe to the, to the view that he doesn't deserve <laughs> as much credit. It, it's a really funny one. I think the first year, they were slightly fortunate. I think in the final, they were... I think second best and, and very lucky to win that. Whereas last year they were fantastic, and I th- the interesting thing now is usually last few years we've talked about this in terms of Benzema, Ronaldo, Bale, 
But they've got such options now. I mean, Isco was just so good, he forced his way into the team and, and basically made Zidane change his system to accommodate him. And now Asensio's come through and, you know, I think would have expected to be a, a backup, getting games here and there. And you could say he's now become the key player. Oh, it's, agree, um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see how Zidane deals with that. I mean, he's been very good at rotating. Um, but I think the interesting thing is when it comes to the big games, which granted probably won't be for six months or so, but when it comes to the big games, who does he play? Because there's... There's going to be a big name left out now. I think it's a great point we make about Zidane that he maybe he's not given the credit that he's uh, that he should be. And perhaps it's the same with Guardiola. People like to think of this uh, that a, a manager should be able to manage at any level. So they say, oh well, give Zidane sort of Stevenage you know, in, in <laughs> League One, League Two, and see how he does with those players. But it's not about that. No. You know, it, it's it's about getting the best out of the players that he's got there. And yes, he's got fantastic players. Yes, he's got. Uh, but they're not just a good attacking team as well. They're good defensively, and and I've probably been the biggest, well, a big critic of um, of Kiel Navas in the past. But you you can't account against what he's done uh, in the side and the way that he's performed, um, and and I still think that it probably won't go away about uh, you know De Gea going to to Real Madrid. That will that will probably keep going every transfer window as well. But uh, at the moment, they don't need to change that. And finally, just to you, Ivor, before we move on to the to the main markets, um, Madrid, do you expect them, as they have done the last couple of years, just to progress as it goes on? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's if it Ronaldo being uh, suspended for the five games or whatever it is, is, is actually a blessing in disguise. Obviously, he's like into his, obviously he's like 32, whatever he is now. Um, he's, he's got a little, little bit of an enforced break. And I think like, come, like, like you see, it was the same last year, weren't it, with his injury after the Euros. Uh, come the busiest end of the season, he's sort of like hitting top form when maybe other players around him um, are maybe getting you know slightly tired or whatever. So that's that's something that's something to consider. I mean, going back to Borussia Dortmund, I think if you look at uh, Boz's um, track record, you know it, it's it's not a, like a, it's not filled with brilliant jobs and great, no. great achievements. And in coming from Ajax, I mean, you only have to look at kind of what. Frank de Boer's record after he's left Ajax yeah. simply because it, that style is so ingrained in the club and then to go somewhere else if they don't have that style at the, at the, at the club you know if you're not going to Barcelona or somewhere like that then it's difficult uh, maybe to adjust you know, with Italian managers they're normally so much more adaptable to, to different tactics and, and different systems and, and it was interesting for, for me to see him going to Dortmund now they, they've not conceded in the, in the league yet yeah. Uh, they started very well, so I'm expecting probably more than most people from Dortmund this season. So a warning sign that one to Spurs. Uh, have a look at www.oddschecker.com forward slash podcast to read more about the markets we've discussed. Uh, we are now going to move on to the big one, the outright market, and we have Real Madrid, unsurprisingly favourites, 4-1 to one with a few firms including Skybet and Black Type, Paris Saint-Germain, and uh, Paris Saint-Germain seven to one, Bayern Munich eleven to one, best price with Betfair Sportsbook, Man City best price twelve to one. I mean, where are we looking? Are we looking, Michael, at those kind of teams at the at the top of the market to be the likely winners, or are there anyone at kind of at an outside price you could see doing it? Yeah, I think there's a couple of outsiders actually. Um, I think Atletico Madrid. I'm surprised to see that they're generally available at uh, around twenties, um, which is roughly the same price as Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool have no recent pedigree in this competition, whereas. As I mentioned earlier, Atletico almost always get to the semi-finals at least. Um, so I think they're a good bet. I, I mean, I think the two Madrid clubs, actually, I think Real at 
four to one seems a really good price to me. I, I just can't imagine them not reaching the semi-finals. It seems very unlikely they won't go shorter than that during the competition. Basically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're just a very good side. Um, and you know, again, to, to mention something we said before, but I think Leipzig at eighty to one is a real outsider. Uh, uh, a very good price. I think they're being underestimated based upon their relative lack of, um, you know, experience in this competition. But you look at the way that they play, and they're just so disciplined and so organised and tactically flexible. So I think they could go on a very good run. What a story that would be! Straight up, one one season in the Bundesliga and straight into Champions League, and then win it. <laughs> <laughs> can you see that, David? Possibly not, but I mean, you know, after Leicester, anything can happen. But yeah, you you, you can't see you see beyond Real Madrid at four to one, but. I think I'm uh, I'm quite a romantic at heart, and obviously goalkeeping is my thing. So I, I'd like to see all the big goalkeepers in there, and I th- I'd like to see Buffon uh, in the at least in the uh, the last four, uh, all black and Atletico Madrid. And for for my outsider, it, it has to be Napoli and, and Pepe Arena. I think uh, they can surprise a lot of people. They're in a strong group, a difficult group, but I think uh, if they can get through, then they're going to be a, t- a tough test for anybody. Ivor, yeah. where's, where's your money going? So, I'd obviously back, back your nine around the 12 to 1 mark. Napoli, Dark Horse, obviously, we, we spoke about them. I, it'd be great for Buffon, obviously, to, to win the Champions League. I, I just, all their players, just, just that another year older, aren't they? And um, I don't know, I just get the feeling that maybe they needed to win it um, last season, really. But obviously, hope, hope they go well again. Um, it's an interesting one I, I'm looking at, just looking at the kind of English clubs and how they're all priced up. Um, and you know, Spurs. Obviously, there are massive concerns about the strength of their group, um, and there are concerns about Wembley. But you know, at that fifty to one around with, with Sun Bets, which I think is the best price, is that okay. that, that could look quite big if suddenly they blow away that Wembley form and, and actually they, they kind of are successful at home. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, they have to get used to some time. You know, I mean, it's not a case of like last season when they were just using it for the Champions League and they're playing every few weeks and they don't really get a chance to to get any form there. Eventually, it's bound to click for them, and they're bound to become more familiar with them. So, yeah, if they can, if they can get through these first couple of early games, as you know, and get through the to the, the knockout stages, then possibly, yeah. But I, I can't say that at all, to be honest with you. And who who are we steering clear of, Michael? Who's who's too short there that you wouldn't want to wouldn't want to be backing at the prices? I wouldn't go for PSG at this stage, personally. I think there's too many question marks about the way they're going to be organised in the final third, and I think because there's so many big name players that they have to play. And I mean, have to play won't be dropped at all for big name, yeah. So big game, uh, you know, situation when you get into April, May. I think that could expose them defensively. I'm not sure they're as strong defensively as they were a few years ago. Um, so I wouldn't go for PSG at this point. Any any other people we we want to we want to avoid, either, um, David? I I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, touch Bayern Munich to be honest with you. Um, they've, they've just not looked great at all. They. they I mean, Ancelotti, for me, would be a great fit back at Paris Saint-Germain. No, yeah. uh, I think they, they, they would have him back and, uh, and, and he would possibly love to go there. I think with Bayern Munich, it's just not clicking. We, we talked about, I spoke about Italian managers adapting to different leagues. It just doesn't seem to be working out there for Ancelotti. Another Italian manager in Conte at Chelsea, that's a really interesting one for me, simply because uh, of what happened in Juventus. Uh, he, he hasn't got a great record in the Champions League. And also, they didn't have any European football last year. You know, you, you look at uh, Manchester United, they've been at the Champions League, but they still had the Europa League, they still had the, the format, they still were used to playing uh, the, 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 the European games in between. So they've had that as well, where Chelsea haven't had that uh, last season. And... 
whether it'll take a little time for them to get used to it again. But like I said, there's a lot of pressure on, on Conte and, and how he's going to approach uh, this season. Again, like I said, adaptable, yes. But uh, be interested to see what happens with him. So moving on to the top goal scorer market now, and I'm going to come to you, Ivor, to, to kind of explain to us how, how you approach this. Because obviously with a, in, a, in a top goal scorer market, in a, in a league competition, you know, everyone has the same the same thing in front of them they're going to play the same teams they're all going to do it 38 times and obviously in the in the Champions League everyone plays different teams you play a different amount of games I mean how do you approach what the what the biggest strength is to someone's chances of, of finishing top yeah um, yeah it is a bit tough tough mind surprise so I mean it's probably worth saying I mean I think um, you have to go back to uh, Kaka was the last person to actually win this apart from Ronaldo and Messi I think Neymar did actually tie one year as well but that's like, that's like well, it's like 10 years ago isn't it um, so it's obviously tough to look beyond them to obviously obviously both their teams will probably go go deep into the competition Person, yeah personally from a, from a, from a punting point of view I'd, I'd like to maybe like, obviously we spoke about Napoli um, my kind of strategy with this would be to sort of like um, if you can if you've got someone like a dark horse that you, you think could go deep in the competition um, and may, may, maybe try to try to bat one of their goal scores uh, possibly each way um, so for example like Mertens um, obviously, like, I think 20, 28 goals last season. Um, I think he's fifty to one in the in the top scorer market. Hundred to one with Hills. I was with, oh, there you go. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a huge price. That seems. Yeah, yeah you, you take that one. Yeah. Looking through the market, you've got you've got Ronaldo's favourite with Sky Bet best price five to one. Yeah. Uh, Messi eleven to two. Uh, Lewandowski twelve to one. Neymar twelve to one. It's all the kind of the people you'd expect to be there. Maybe interesting Romelu Lukaku. Um, who we saw, you know, United, as we said, have quite an easy group, and he's, we've seen how he can, and I don't use the word flat trap bully too much, but how he can punish the weaker teams. Yeah, he can. I mean, there's, there's not many strikers, if, if you look at the, in the big, big games, there's not many strikers who do consistently deliver in those games, simply because they're playing against better defences more than anything else. But with Lukaku, the chances that were created last season, uh, the, the it was an incredible amount of chances they, they missed. Uh, it was, it was, even Ibrahimovic, it, it, as well as he played last year, he's still missing a lot of chances. That, that you think that somebody like Lukaku is clinical. Um, if, if he's on the end of those chances, you quite fancy him. And I think that... Um, and, and we've not spoken about this as well. I mean, I know we're talking about um, top, uh, top goal scorer here, but Matic has been such a... It'd be a massive uh, signing for them simply because it frees up other people. Now, Paul Pogba was not the... Uh, the, the failure that people perceived him as last year just because he wasn't scoring goals from 30 yards and yeah. he, w he was providing chances but those chances weren't being put away now if he's playing further forward and he can create a little bit more chance a few more chances for Lukaku even more chances I can see him being uh, being a threat to top goal scorer and 16 to 1 it's not bad Michael who are you who are you looking at here for that for that market I mean of the favourites I'd go for Luis Suarez I think it's a good price at 14 um, I mean we're talking about Messi and Ronaldo's dominance hasn't been broken for 10 years. Well, Suarez was the one who broke the Pichichi dominance in La Liga the um, uh, season before last, sorry. So I think he's worth taking on, especially as uh, the system's changed. I think Messi's going to be a little bit more of a provider this season rather than getting the goals himself. Um, other names, I think, if you're looking at outsiders, again, Marco Asensio, 66-1. to 1. I think he's going to be a regular for Real. I think they're going to go to the semi-finals at least. I think he's a good price. And again, if, if we're talking... Um, you know, dark horses who might do well and looking at their top goal scorers, Timo Werner scored 21 in the Bundesliga last year, has started this season with 3-3 three and three and has got 6-8 for Germany this year, so he's just in really good form. 100-1 with Betfred, that seems to me 
I mean, I wonder what the, can you can you get the double anywhere? The, the Leipzig Werner double. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I mean, it promises to be an unbelievable competition. Uh, thank you guys all very very much uh, for coming in. Uh, just another plug for for Black Types exclusive offer for people who've listened to the podcast. Uh, new customers, one pound maximum bet, maximum stake, twenty five to one on all English teams winning their first fixture. That Acker is normally seven to one, so you'd be crazy. Uh, not to sign up now. And Ivor, what are you guys at Skybet doing uh, Doing for your customers ahead of the Champions League? Yeah, rather than um, boost anything, obviously this day and age, um, obviously the punts are telling you what they want to bet on. So, um, yeah, um, at request a bet um, is a Twitter handle. Just uh, get your request a bet into Skybet. Um, you tell us what, what, obviously what you'd like priced up and we'll... Uh, Obviously, price them up for you. Maybe listen back to the podcast and put everything that we've said we were tipping up in an acker and send them over <laughs> for a request to bet, for a special odds checker request to bet. But otherwise, I hope it's been insightful. I hope you're going to go into, into this week's Champions League fixtures with a little bit more confidence with your bets. Thank you very much for joining us, Michael Cox. Thank you. Thank you very much, David Priest. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ivor Davis. Thanks a lot. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for the second group of fixtures with a different three panel of guests. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the football and make sure you tune in and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to us on SoundCloud or subscribe on Stitcher. I'm really looking forward to making lots of these and I hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.